You're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 17 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. Today is Part 9 in our look at Richard Matheson's uh, novels which have been turned into movies, and we are going to be covering Matheson's 10th novel, What Dreams May Come, as well as the 1998 adaptation by uh, Vincent Ward. I'm Mike. I'm Max. And once again, we're joined by John from Words with Nerds. How's it going, John? It's going well. Glad to be here. Thanks for uh, for joining us. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. So, What Dreams May Come it was written in 1978, which was uh, three years after Bid Time Return, uh, as we discussed last week. Uh, Matheson considers the two to be kind of a pair. Mm. The first one about uh, love transcending time and the second one about love transcending death. And Richard Matheson considers what dreams may come to be his best novel. So take that as you will. It is about a guy who dies and goes spoilers. to... <laughs> spoilers. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the very first thing that happens. And he goes to uh, the afterlife, a, a place called Summerland, which you could say is a version of heaven. You could say that that isn't true also. And uh, he gets kind of bummed out about the fact that his wife isn't there with him. And then things get worse when uh, his wife, who's depressed that he's not alive, kills herself and goes to uh, a version of hell or purgatory or something along those lines. So the main character decides to literally go through hell in order to get his wife back. John, what did you think about What Dreams May Come? Uh, the book, I have to be honest, um, I didn't care for it. I tend to be, I guess, a little finicky sometimes about books, um, and it's unpredictable as to what's going to make me finicky about them. But he, he very in the very beginning of the book... He's so earnest about trying to sell the idea of what's happening that it rang hollow for me. And so as a result, it didn't ever play to me like a, a, a true thing. Like it, he, he was trying to sell it as, you know, uh, the, the dead guy spoke through a medium and I'm telling you this is true and you have to believe me. But the construct of it, the way that it didn't, feel like the true story that it was supposed to be constructed as and as a result it never held on to me the idea that matheson regards this as his best is very surprising to me there must be something very personal about it that you know you know sat with him and so i get that but whatever he was trying to communicate did not resonate with me on an emotional level okay what about you max I mean, like, I know what you mean by the idea of, like, him overselling the concept. That makes sense because there is, early on in the book, there is this sort of, like, introduction. It does sort of introduce itself with, like, I came into the possession of this manuscript, which is about a guy who goes, who becomes dead and then goes to the afterlife and does a whole bunch of stuff. And it draws so much attention to, like, how this information came to be in our hands. It's It's like if a found footage movie spent, like, the first 20 minutes establishing where they found the footage... 
in what condition the, the the tapes were in and how they restored them and removed the grain and and recovered the audio it's like a lot of data data to explain how we came into this and it uh, it, it doesn't help the believability it's it actually makes a lot of sense to just sort of skip the idea of how we came into possession of this information and just say that we yeah somehow did and let the audience figure out how it's possible because immediately after that introduction, it sort of like departs from the whole medium transcribing these events logic and becomes just a story of a guy in uh, a, a kind of space that is composed <laughs> primarily of thought. And it's very philosophical. I understand why Mr. Matheson would call this his favorite book. This is his best book. That makes sense. A lot. Of, that makes a lot of sense because this is meticulously researched and it's. It's like got tons and tons of data in there. It's very intricate in the way that it touches on almost every single like stage in philosophy. It's it's very interesting. Yeah, I, I guess I agree um, with that. With, with more with with Max, I, I, I was very fond of the book as well. Uh, I wasn't necessarily expecting to be, um, but, but at the same time, I love all the changes they made for the movie. Okay, that's interesting, but we'll get into that later on. Because <laughs> um, that's something that I don't agree with. But, all, right, all right, let's do it. All right, so, um, but no, I, I was, you know, okay, as as someone who is, you know, I guess I guess a rather hardcore atheist, I'm it, doing a, a story about the afterlife, especially one which takes place in a version of heaven and hell, is a really tough sell for me. And I totally bought into this, like so much so that I'm like, maybe he's right. Maybe this does exist. I, I don't know. Like it, it was, it was kind of weird. Um, because like the whole time I was, I, I really appreciated sort of like the clinical um, approach that was taken. It was almost like it, it reminded me a lot of uh, I Am Legend in a way, where he's trying to give like a scientific explanation to this uh, fantasy, you know, world or whatever. But yeah, I, I I totally uh bought into the reality of it and everything and I totally bought into the love story. I think that they did a really good job of um really make you know, showing that, that this, this dude is, is totally in love with his wife and he, they did it without making it incredibly sappy and, and that's probably the reason why it worked. It just felt real the whole time. Um so yeah, for all those reasons I I, I thought that this book was pretty great it's it's one of my favorite matheson novels so one of the things that uh matheson has has said is that you know he considers this to be a, a pair with with bedtime return we, we talked about that uh earlier and um i can really kind of see that you know both of them are about you know love you know he, he talks about how he uh he was making sort of a conscious effort at this point in his career to get away from horror because he was essentially being bored by it and he wanted to get into some sort of deeper uh stories or at least flex some different muscles and and i really do see you know the the parallels between the two um but whereas uh you know bid time return didn't really work for me this one did and I think that might be because it, it is more sincere and comes from a, a more uh, genuine place. 
you know, I, I, I was reading a little bit about his uh, philosophical views on, on death and stuff like that, and it seems like, like they... in the path? Did you read the path? No, I didn't, but do you want to talk about that, what the path was? Because it, that seems like a companion piece to this, too. I think it was actually assembled as a companion piece. Yeah, well, what, what is it? What? It's, it's just essentially just Richard Matheson talking about, um, like, New Age um, concepts, mysticism, uh, um, near-death experiences, afterlife stuff, lots of different weird... You know, um, like essentially just you know, talking about um, supernatural whatnot, but from a kind of fiction-based perspective of like it doesn't – I don't really know exactly how it works, but it kind of makes sense this way. And you can actually wrap your mind around this concept at least uh, for the purposes of, of like functionality. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and it's an interesting – it's an interesting read. It's not like – it's not like a solid piece it's really kind of like an assemblage of ideas, but it's um, it's just you know a guy who thinks about weird things, like documenting a, a bunch of thoughts he's had about said weird things. That actually sounds really interesting. One of the things which I thought was interesting about this book is the way that in in the the narrative is pretty simple and pretty short, all things considered. It it almost seemed like this book. And the story was an excuse for Matheson to sort of detail his vision of the afterlife. And, you know, in some cases, in most cases, when people try to do that, it does not work. But here, I thought that uh, that vision was so interesting that, that I was kind of riveted just by that. See, the thing is, now, now you're making me rethink my position on the book, and that's not fair. <laughs> Because now I'm thinking about it more in terms of well, that's a pretty good point. Um, so, hmm. to me, that that's that's fair game. It's okay if you think that the movie or the book is bad, and I would actually agree in a lot of ways that like there's no real like clear statement. It's kind of like 1984 in that like the 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 story is kind of boring. It really is just kind of going through like a bunch of places and you know having those places described to you, and just like in 1984, like that guided tour is more interesting than most books that have an extremely compelling story. One of the other things which I found to be rather interesting about this is you know in reading the the quotes and everything like that, uh, and and the fact that uh, bid time return which we talked about last week was was based on an experience that that Matheson had where he saw a picture of of a long dead actress and immediately fell in love with her. In his words, have you seen that picture? She's pretty cute. Okay, I haven't seen the picture. Um, <laughs> I could see, I could see that. Yeah, but in his words, he fell in love with her, and he locked himself in a hotel room to write this book. Mm-hmm. And as we discussed last week, the whole time I was thinking, like, that's kind of weird for a guy who's at that mm-hmm. point had been married for how many dozens of years? You know. It, yeah, it's kind of an indicator that maybe there were some issues to work through. I mean, we talked last week about the the potential conversations which might arise from. Uh, that like you know what do you mean you have a crush on a woman who's been dead for 75 years or whatever it is you know things like that taking that 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 sort of like train of thought a step further to what dreams may come i kind of saw this book as sort of like his apology to his wife like no 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 it's cool, honey. Look, look, this is how much I love you. I would have gone through time for Maud Adams, but I would go through hell for you. 
you know? I, I've got to think that that might have been some of the inspiration for writing this book, is saying, my bad, to his wife <laughs> about bedtime return. Maybe I, I, I'm reading too much into that. but No, I, I, like, I like that. That's a really interesting take on it. And, I, you know, they always say, write what you know. So, you know, maybe he was, maybe he was motivated by that. Okay, well, let's talk about the movie. Um, it, it was made in 1998, which would have been 20 years after uh, the release of the book. Um, it was not written by uh, Matheson, and I think that that, you know, is fairly obvious considering how uh, faithful the the ones that he did write were. Um, this one movie was written by Ron Bass, who is probably best known for Rain Man, which he won the Oscar for. Uh, he also, uh, he's written a, a million movies over the years. Uh, the, the one that I always remember is Entrapment because that was the first movie that I uh, showed as a projectionist. The movie was directed by Vincent Ward, yeah. who is probably best known for the movie that he didn't make, which is Alien 3. Yeah. He was the guy who was on there. He's actually credited, I think, as uh, one of the writers on that movie, and he had ideas about... Wooden planets, wood and whatnot. planets, planets made of wood. But whatever it is, you know, giant wooden Death Star. He he left and, <laughs> and spinning wagon wheels in space. And David Fincher came on, but um, this is really his one big work, as far as I can tell. So, John, what did you think about the movie? Well, I I have a semi amusing anecdote from the first time I saw the movie in the theater. Um, that there was a point. Uh, and it was at one of the key points uh, where he's just transitioning over. Uh, the the reel broke, and oh. it, it, it sat there, and it just went it went pitch black, and it went about five minutes. And everybody's sitting in the because this was the day before texting, so everybody was able to sit there for five minutes without fidgeting. And we were, we knew something was wrong, and we were just sitting there waiting, sitting there waiting, sitting there waiting. And then some joker in the back just says, "Well." That's the movie. This is what it's like to be dead. And the whole theater erupts in laughter. They turn up the lights. We hang out for 20 minutes. So, But it was the weirdest thing because it's an imperfect movie. I don't necessarily think really highly of it. But the emotional reaction I didn't feel with the book, I did get with the movie. I don't know whether it's just that the theatricality of it, like I, I love the vibrant colors of when he woke up in the, you know, in the painting and all of that. And the dog was, you know, like that first moment when he woke up and, you know, there was this beautiful, like wonderfully imagined landscape around him and sort of like all of the journeys just it was visually communicated so well that it just found that emotional hook with me. Like I just I think that regardless of what you think of anything else about the movie, visually, at least in the afterlife parts, I thought it was just phenomenal to see. I just loved the way they brought things to life in it. All right. Max, what about you? I really liked this movie when it came out. Before this movie came out, uh, they re-released the book. And that is why my copy of What Dreams Might Come, that is somewhere in my mom's basement, uh, its cover is the poster for the movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, that bothered me for a while because after seeing the movie I was kind of disappointed and then after seeing the movie again I was less disappointed and then every time I've watched the movie since then I have I have I've got more appreciation for it but like the the constant is I'm mystified by why it doesn't work because it is fascinating I love the world I love like almost everything in that movie and I do not know why it doesn't seem to work 
So you don't think it works? I don't, but I don't care that it doesn't work. Because this is a movie that is interesting enough to be worth talking about and to be worth called good. It's definitely worth being called good. Without being necessarily particularly compelling or dramatic. Like, like I don't get to the end of this movie and, like, I'm, I'm like, really, you know, my heartstrings have been pulled or anything like that. Like, when I show this to people, when I showed it to Emily, like, a few weeks ago, before, like, we were even close to this, I was just like, I gotta watch Rick James Ray come pretty soon to, to, to talk about it, because I haven't watched it in a couple of years. And she was like, all right, let's watch What Dreams Might Come. And then we watched it, and she was like, that was really sad. And I was like, what? That's awesome. That movie was so cool. He goes to, he goes to hell, he comes back out. How was that sad? And she's like, because of the suicide and the, everyone being dead and the kids dying. And I'm like, that makes sense. I don't really it, see it that way. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. But at the same time, I mean, I, I can tell you that, you know, um, I, I, I am, a, you know, a person of faith. But, like, it, it's faith. It's not fact. So, you know, there, there's, you're rolling the dice sort of thing. But if I were to wake up, you know, if I, if I drop and then I wake up, and it's, you know, it's all true and there's something afterward. That's like, you know, it's sort of one of those things where it's like, I want to see a ghost because, all right, confirmation, done, awesome. You know, like. Yeah, it's an optimistic thing. Even if exa- it's scary. Exactly. Even if it's it, scary, it's optimistic. The, the suicide part and having to go through hell is a downer. But at the same time, so much of it is there's some, you know, just the thought that there's something more is a fantastic thought. And, you know, it's it's so hopeful, especially at the end. I mean, I didn't necessarily care for the conversation at the end, but the idea that there would be soulmates, which is a concept that I don't adhere to. um, But the idea that there are soulmates where it's like there are two people so perfectly paired to be together, like that's pretty cool. And, you know, uh, as the, you know, the story of, you know, how the kids picked how they were going to appear in the afterlife and stuff like that. Like, that's that's pretty cool. Like, I, I remember also the movie spurring so many conversations about, well, if you could basically wake up and it was like whatever you imagine it to be, you know, happiest. I was like, oh, well, I'd, wow, I'd be, uh, you know, flying an X-Wing with two lightsabers and, you know, like slicing down. Th- you know, like I'd be like, wow, I'd live out Star Wars for eternity. That's the greatest thing ever. Yeah, like there, there's a lot about the story that I find very, very just sort of optimistic and, and, and very pleasant. Um, but like the the plausibility of it is what, what really gets exciting. The idea that, you know, Matheson did like like serious, like philosophical research into this thing. And like it's all sort of like based in like that sort of weird – like 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 a concept of like the 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 new sphere or or um the noumenal world uh like um plato's the platonic ideal it comes from that concept of like the the world of ideas and like yeah. the idea that consciousness sort of like exists outside of the the, the actual conventional like hard objects and in in like a constant flux meet space if you will that that reality being somewhat tenuous and this other more more like hardcore like concrete reality is the abstract reality that we that we don't think of as being concrete it's the only one that's actually real and and the physical world is like somehow a, like a construct of that and and the afterlife being a kind of extension of that it's 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 being unbound from the the limitation and your ability to transcend your own personal limitations being being somewhat determined by yourself and at the same time determined by your own like like 
destiny regardless of, of of like temporal limitation like after this move after we finished the movie emily and i like i i asked her like like so wait if there's no such thing as time how is there still process that is an interesting conversation to have and it's not the kind of thing you get from most really solid dramatic works you only get it when somebody has the balls to be a little bit meandering yeah and that i got from the book I did not get that from the movie. I have to say that I hated this movie in a way that I haven't hated a movie in a very long time. Wow, <laughs> I, that's, that's old. Yeah, I, I know. It's it's very strange. That's I, very I, weird. It, it was, it, it's like everything that I liked about the book seemed to be stripped away and replaced with things that were terrible. Things that, that didn't belong and things that I uh, I, I think were sort of like a betrayal of of what the the book sort of stood for. I think that the wow, the, that's the, bizarre. Give me wait, give me an example of that. Well, the way that the romance is handled. Okay, there there were so many uh, instances of these cliched, you know, schmaltzy little uh, moments in their life, and and the way that they were sort of dwelled upon and and you know shown in flashback and everything like that. It felt like they were trying really hard. To show that these people had, you know, this beautiful relationship when the reality of the situation in the book was, you know, they did have that relationship, but you didn't need to, you know, hammer that on the head. You got it through, you know, the dude's actions, you know, and not, you know, this this sort of like manufactured Hollywood love story thing. I don't remember any particularly romantic scenes between the two of them. Well, the first scene in the movie when they meet... Well, I, yeah, but see, the thing is, I, I guess for me, just the fact that the, you know, that scene in the beginning where, where they meet bookends so nicely with them coming back and their kids, and it's like, a, you know, a sort of like replay in miniature. Well, I mean, that could be, but then again, even in the book, like the thing that I really didn't like was the ending with the, the sort of reincarnation. I, I really felt like, you know, he goes through all of this. Uh, to me, I, I felt like the story had reached its dramatic conclusion. You know, he says, like, let, let's make our own heaven and hell, you know, by being together or whatever. And then, you know, I, to me, the natural point you go from there is, you know, okay, so they're in heaven. But you could end it there or you could, uh, you know, send them off to heaven or whatever. But I thought when he wakes up again and they're like, okay, we got something else to tell you now. She's not here anymore because she decided to reincarnate. I'm just like, Really? Again? What? Come on! You know, are, are, we're going. They keep moving this. the goalposts for this guy. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's really dude what can't it's catch felt. a break. Exactly. If I would have first been him, hook, now this. I'd be like, what is this? Twenty-four. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah. uh, we could talk about just the filmmaking in general. This movie was very, very, very poorly made. You know, I, I didn't like the way that it looked. I remember when this movie came out. I didn't see it back then. I didn't see it until uh, today, actually. Um, but I remember when this movie came out and everyone was telling me, like, you got to see it. And by everyone, I mean probably, like, my my mom's friends mainly were the people who were saying this. But they're like, you got to see it. You'd love it. It's so visual. I did not like the way this movie looked at all. I mean, some of the lighting was okay. I did not like the painting stuff. I did not like any of that. I didn't like... Um, the way that it was cut together, I thought was amateurish at best. Any time that they cut to like a um, post 
processed slow motion shot. I was just like, what is going on here? Do these people not know how to make a movie? I really think they don't. And, you know, a, a lot of that I think has to do with Vincent Ward, I'm guessing. I'm really, really glad that they didn't get him to make Alien 3, even though Alien 3 that we got is not that great. I imagine his would have been a lot worse. But see, what, what's so interesting uh, about, about this entire conversation to me, uh, the, about the movie in specific, is like you, you, nobody ever really talks about this movie, but then when people talk about this movie, it, it elicits these very strong, you know, like, oh, it might not be perfect, but I, I, I loved it because, or yeah. it's not perfect and I hate it because. Because, Mike, you, you're not the first person I've come across that really didn't like this movie. And so it's, it's interesting. I've never found anybody that's sort of uh, truly meh about it, where they, you know, like everybody has a very strong opinion about all aspects of this movie. And so, I, like, I, I, think, I think that the, the, the road you've gone down really speaks to that, where, like, even on the technical side, like, you can get really, uh, there, there must be something special about the movie because it, it spurs such, uh, such a, a heated debate in a sense well Maybe. i think i think that there there are lots of litmus tests for various types of things this certainly would function as a litmus test i think one of the most constant elements of 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 mike and i either agreeing or disagreeing is when something is intellectually stimulating but emotionally not um to me, intellectual stimulation is much more interesting than being emotional stimulated. To me, emotional stimulation happens constantly, and it's actually really easy to do. Show me a cute animal, I will fall in love with it. Show me a cute animal dying, and I will cry and rage. And give me, you know, something to think about, I will be interested in the situation. I will, I will pay attention to what's going on. Emotions are actually really easy to get from people, especially me. I'm very emotional. So I do not care about my emotional response to a movie. It's well, super easy to get me happy or sad. That could be. And I think, you know, in, in, in that case, I would say that, you know, the movie was trying to be emotional and failed and the book was trying to be intellectual and succeeded. See, I think that the movie's intellectual side is actually very interesting because the, like, the, the, there's an aspect of the story that I think is, like, like integral to this whole, like, concept of, like, the afterlife and the, the, the drama that's at, at play in the story. The idea that this guy is in, like, idea space. He is essentially a, a, like, a, like an intellectual construct floating through a world of ideas. And he's a, a, an idea, essentially, the idea of him. And he is only as, 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 as existing as he believes he is. And he is in some way affected by the outside ideas that he, that he moves through and, and, and penetrates. And, and like there's a part in the book where like they talk about you know, books that haven't been written yet. And, and you can read a book that hasn't been written yet, but it's not really super safe because you might actually change the contents of the book mm -hmm. that is brilliant because that is exactly the kind of like really bizarre paradoxical like new sphere kind of bizarre logic that happens when you like sort of extract yourself from the concept of like concrete reality and you end up in that sort of like superposition of reality where there's there's things that exist and things that don't exist and you're kind of in between those two things and and that's fascinating but this idea that he goes into a kind of hellish idea space and then comes back out of it. Like they make a point of saying like, it is not possible. You will fail. And, and in the book he succeeds and it doesn't really seem that significant because he didn't really do anything special. And the movie, I thought this was fantastically brilliant. It was 
excellently changed. The change from the book to the movie is brilliant. The idea that the kids died and and that that like there was this this precursor to this 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 first time that she descended into a kind of hell and he didn't like like this happened twice and the idea that like the, the only thing he could do to get her out of this situation was to accept that he couldn't and that's what actually allows her to leave it's that kind of really bizarre paradoxical schrodinger's cat but in the afterlife kind of crazy thinking that is fantastic after watching this movie i was like that ending is much better than the ending in the book the, that paradox of accepting failure is the only way to succeed that is absolute genius i am so big a fan of that uh, well and doubly interesting to tie it into the title you know what dreams may come um is uh you know of course you know pulled from shakespeare and hamlet in specific hamlet act three scene one yeah the to be or not to be speech and I'm not, that's that's cheating. I didn't do that. That's like like some Star Trek knowledge. That's in the beginning of the book. Oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, but it, it, it the the fact that it comes from that and the fact that if Hamlet had let go, he would have succeeded. Like yeah, you know, titles are supposed to mean something. So maybe that's the whole impetus behind the title isn't just you know what lies after, which is what the line literally reads as, but also a call out to the idea that to you know to be a true hero you have to accept failure or something like maybe maybe that that's yeah. that's a hidden theme that uh matheson snuck in there but that theme doesn't really it, like it, that theme doesn't hit hard in the book i think it hits really hard in the movie it's fantastic in the movie oh i i agree on that point john any final thoughts on uh the the movie and the book uh you have given me reason to reevaluate the book so maybe i'll go back and read it yet again and um, now I want to watch the movie again. So I think after this, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go uh, watch it again. All right. It's on Netflix for those who are interested. Oh, yes, it is. Streaming. All right. For me, as uh, surprisingly impressed as I was with the book, I was uh, surprisingly disappointed by the movie. Max will rage against movies. You know, Max will, will talk about how much he hates movies. For me, it's much more of a uh, being bored by movies kind of thing. There's very few movies which I actively hate, and this was one of them. So uh, maybe that's a a success on on the movie's part. I don't know. John, where can people find you? Well, you can uh, find me at uh, as part of the Words with Nerds podcast, which is at nerdswords.podbean.com. And uh, also, uh, as time permits, uh, managing uh, KesselJunkie.com or usually, um, as long as I'm awake, I'm on Twitter at KesselJunkie. Cool. Uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter at ComTrackStars or email us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find our other show, Commentary TrackStars, on CommentaryTrackStars.com or you can find this show on Track.fm in addition to a bunch of other shows which are much better than, than this one. Oh, one. One last note. Uh, I know we mentioned this last week. Uh, if you are downloading this the day that it comes out, you may or may not be at Dragon Con. And if you are at Dragon Con, we will be there on Sunday. So, if you are at Dragon Con, <clears throat> look behind you. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if, if you would like to say hi to us, we would like to say hi to you. So uh, hit us up on Twitter or something and we will say hi. And uh, we will be recording from somewhere on the road 
next week's episode so you will you will be able to hear us react to our uh, parsec award defeat until then uh thanks for joining us john glad to be here thanks for having me we'll be back next week to wrap up richard matheson Thank you.